that was that was great. Appreciate that. Um, we have uh, first of all, I just want to thank uh, all of you that helped make Easter a success last week. We had uh, we had uh, close to six hundred people in worship, which is a new record for us, and uh, um, a lot of folks running around, volunteers and everything. We had to make, change some plans and stuff, but it, it turned out great, and I just want to thank you all for, for helping make that possible. And uh, also to let you know with these worship services changes and stuff, it's going to change the format just a little bit. We're going to try something unique. I don't know of other churches that are doing it this way, and we'll try it. It may fall flat on its face, but we'll, we're going to try it anyway. Uh, we're, our two services are going to be identical. What we're going to do is rotate music, music styles through those, uh, where one week we'll have traditional with piano, one week we'll have contemporary, uh, one week we'll have bluegrass, one week we'll have praise and worship. We'll rotate the, the style, try to keep it fresh and, and, and new, and uh, both services will be the same. And uh, I will figure it out if you start skipping a particular week. Uh, I know... What we're trying to do is avoid that. Some of the nonsense that we do in church is, you know, we, we make it so much about us and our preference and stuff. And, oh, I can only worship under these certain conditions. I can only worship baloney. And part of what we're talking about today is the church is not a building. The church is not a, a service. The church is people praising their Savior, uh, uh, giving thanks to Him, and, and doing work and ministry in His name. And so we can do that with a variety of music styles and a variety of locations and stuff. And we just want to start training up our young, our young kids and our old farts. What, to, what, what church, sorry, I love the old farts. I, I, once again, I hope to be one someday. Um, but uh, we, we just want to train, there's not, there's not a right and wrong way as music styles. And so, that we can appreciate all of God's diversity. And, uh, and so that's what we're hoping to do. As I said, we'll see how it works, uh, but I think it's going to work great. Since we uh, got into the Lenten season, we have been trying to, uh, actually starting in, in February, we have been trying to, to join our visioning for this church along with the, the Lenten season and, and our, our preparation for Easter and, and celebrating Easter, of, of matching the, the idea of who we're trying to be as a church with the idea of who God is calling us to be as, as his people. And so we've, we've used the language that we've tried to, to come up with at this church to help you connect to it. And so over these weeks, we've talked in different ways about what God's plan for us is and how we can join in that. We started by talking about who does God love? Who is important to him? Who does he want to have in his kingdom? Who does he, who does he think it's, is worth his, his sacrifice, his pain, his love? And the answer to that is anyone and everyone. And you can see this in the scriptures over and over and to anyone who will call on his name. He can give the gift of salvation. For God so loved the world that anyone who believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God's love is for anyone, for everyone. We, we, we've gotten that confused before, and sometimes, sometimes as churches, we've taken our beliefs and our structures and our preferences and used them to shut people out. 
But what we talked about is just as God loves anyone and everyone, we want to make sure that we're a church that loves anyone and everyone. It's God's job to judge. It's God's job to save. It's God's job to change and move. It's our job to love. It's our job to be an open door. It's our job to not get in the way of what his spirit is doing. And so we we talked about being a church that loves anyone and everyone. Not celebrating sin, but celebrating the fact that no matter what problem you have, there's a God who's bigger than that for you. Not saying, hey, you know, we want to join in on your sin, but no, we're all sinners. And while your problems may not be the same as mine, we both got problems. So let's be brothers and sisters instead of enemies or lording it over one another. We then moved into to Holy Week in, in that last part of Lent by, by focusing in on Jesus, who is actually the key to salvation. That, that whole plan that God has to save the world, we, we, we know that the key to that was his son, Jesus Christ. That through him, through his sacrifice, that that's how we get this relationship with God that, that he desires, that we desire. And when we look at the ministry of Jesus Christ and we know that he had a mission to connect people with God, when we look at what he, what he was willing to do in order to accomplish that, we can truly say that he was willing to do anything and everything to make sure we knew that God loved us. He was willing to suffer and die. He was willing to take on humiliation. There was no barrier. There was no fear. There was no excuses that could make him turn away from us. When it came to him loving us, he was willing to do anything and everything to prove that. And again, as a church, we want to make sure that we don't let our fears and barriers and limits and excuses get in the way. That we be willing to to do what is uncomfortable for us. To move beyond our preferences, to move beyond our agendas, to move beyond our traditions and our experiences, to be willing to do anything and everything to share God's love with others. Okay, so we've done anyone, everyone, anything, everything. You got an idea what we might be doing starting this morning? Has to do with location. So it's anywhere and everywhere. Man, you're bright. Anywhere and everywhere. And the reason this is important for us to, to talk about is because, you know what, in the, we have this tendency in religious circles to, to try to locate God in a place and, and try to limit him in, in where is his power and where he lives. And if you're like me, you grew up with some of this teaching. I grew up in the church. We were always there. If, if the doors were open, we were there. That's where our whole friend circle, everything happened. And, and, so, and it was this old church with all these fascinating places to explore and everything else. And, and this big sanctuary that had pews and, and it had a sloped floor and the floor underneath was wood. And one of the great things to do as a kid is you could get a run from the back row and dive under the pew and you could see how far up you could slide under the pew and stuff. Just su- Superman in it under the pews and, and things. And whenever you saw your friends, you wanted to run around and like play chase and everything. And what would the people tell you when you did that? 
You're in God's house. We don't play here. Uh, this is God's house. Uh, it's not a playground. Now, there's a certain respect we need to have for a sanctuary and stuff, but that teaching, that attitude sort of pervades church life, doesn't it, and Christianity. Basically, what they were saying to us is, this is church, we don't have fun here. You can't be real here. And, we, and we've expanded this teaching. Not only does, when you go to God's house, not only do you have to act different than you normally would, but you have to dress different. I mean, remember, you put on your Sunday best. I've been told this morning I look like an uh, unemployed UPS person. I apologize <laughs> for that. And that was in the first service, which is part of the reason we're getting rid of the first service. <laughs> Those people. And it makes it sort of hard on your confidence to have to go for the next two services thinking you look like an unemployed UPS guy. So. And now I forgot where I was, but you put on your Sunday best because you were in God's house. You didn't wear real clothes. You, you, you had your church clothes. And church clothes were different than real clothes, right? Just like your attitude in church is different than the real world. You, you act different in church. You dress different in church. And when you got there, you, when you drove with your family, as soon as you got into the parking lot, you put on the church mask. The, the fight stops. You walk up, hello, brother, hello, sister, we love you, we love you, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And then as soon as church is over, you get back in, mask comes up, you start hitting each other again, right? Because God lives in the church, right? And we can laugh at that, but there's a lot of ways that that's the way we act as Christians, that we have this attitude that when we come to church, something's different. And I hope it is for you in some ways. I hope, I hope that you, you sense the Spirit of God that happens when we gather together. But you know, that same Spirit of God is available to you anywhere you go. We do a disservice to God by limiting Him to a building. In fact, if you, if you do your history and look back, the first followers of Christ didn't have churches. They met wherever they could. Homes, catacombs, fields, wherever. They, they got together and they just, it wasn't about a building, it was about people. Just like we talked about with the kids. Here's the, everything you knew, you, everything you ever needed to know about religion, you learned in Sunday school. Jesus loves me, this I know, and here's a church and here's a steeple. Open the door and see all the people. We knew this as a church when we first started because we didn't have a building. And I, I had to tell us over and over and over, we're, it's okay, we're a church. Even though we don't have a building, we're a church. And, you all, and, and we all went, yeah, we're a church even though we don't have a building. And then finally we got a building and we said, yeah, we're finally a church. And we fall into it so simply. But God's love, God's work, God's power is not limited to this place. And what can happen is if we fall into that kind of thinking, we start thinking that we can sort of put on and put off our Christianity. 
just like our Sunday clothes. That, you know, we, we put on our church clothes and we come and we act our certain way and we, we say our prayers and we do our thing and then basically we check it off our list, take it off and go about our life. And it doesn't affect our business and it doesn't affect our friends and it doesn't affect the And we don't want it to because we, we're, we're not afraid of it affecting it, we're afraid of it infecting it. And we'd have to change. And the things that we like and the things, the habits we have, they might make us have to change so we like it when we can sort of leave it alone. Well, you know, as we read the scriptures, what we find is that God is eternal. He's transcendent. He's everywhere. The church is not a building. The church is people. When the, the way that they talk about it in the scriptures is we are the body of Christ. That Christ started a ministry. He started a, a plan to save the world. He started a way to reconcile people to God. And as he has returned to heaven, that we are now the hands and feet of God to, to carry that out. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. We are the, the ones doing his, his ministry. He's given us that privilege. He's given us that, that job. And I don't know why in the world he'd be that stupid to trust such a treasure with people like us. In fact, the way Paul says it in, in 2 Corinthians, he said, we've got this tremendous treasure, this priceless treasure, and we hide it in the cracked pots of our lives. It makes no sense. We have not deserve, but that's the way God has planned it, that we get to hold the treasure we get to be the ones to share the treasure with others. We are the body of Christ. God, God is not limited to this place. He goes anywhere and everywhere with us. David celebrated that in the Psalms. Wherever I go, you're with me. If I go to the highest mountain, you're there. If I go to the darkest pit, you're there. If I wake up in the morning, if I go to sleep at night, no matter where I go, you're with me. You hit me from in, from behind and before. You, you, you bless me, you, you comfort me, you're always with me. Jesus said, after he gave his great commission to the people of go out and tell others about me, he says, and remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Church does not have walls. Church is us. We're going to look at a scripture. That was the longest introduction in all of history. We're going to look at a scripture in Romans chapter 10. And before we, uh, before we go there, I just want to give you a, a setting for it. If you read Romans, Romans is one of the most uh, logically put together books. Uh, if, for those of you that like progression and, and organization, you will like Romans. And the first part of it talks about salvation and it, and it sort of works itself up to chapter 8 where that's like the height of it. In chapter 8, it talks about the Spirit of God and how, how we can count on Him and how nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. And then, in, in, and then it makes a change and it starts taking these truths that it's built up to and starts applying them to our lives of who we can be and, and, and how, how this thing is supposed to be a part of who we live. 
Maybe you've had this question, and I know I get it anytime I go on a camp, especially a youth camp. Anytime people get to play stump the pastor, there's always, there's always a question that people have. If God is love and there's people that don't know him, how could God allow them to go to hell? I can't love a God who, who would send somebody from hell to hell for not loving him. Okay, we, we want to blame God for if there's people out there that don't know him. Paul turns it around. And we're going to get to it in just a moment. But basically, Paul says, if there's people who don't know, whose responsibility is it to tell them? Okay, let's, let's take a look. The verse preceding what you see up there says, in verse 13, it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. Okay? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. But here's the problem. But how can they call on him to save them unless they can believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how is somebody going to know to tell them unless somebody sends them? And how will without being sent. That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Leave that up there for just a minute. What we're going to talk about, and stay with me, because we hate this term as Christians, modern Christian church, we hate this term. What we're going to be talking about is evangelism. And for half of you, you just checked out on me, because you have devised your argument over the years. And part of that argument is... uh, That's not my spiritual gift. I took an inventory, and I'm not in that group. I don't have to do that. That's somebody else. Or I saw a guy on TV. He just really turned me off. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not. You've got whatever you're, and we all have it because it's something that the church has messed up on for so long, and there are bad examples of it. But here's the the dilemma. We've got a God who can change every life. We've got a God who can be the answer to everyone's problems. We've got a God who can turn horrible into great. But how are people going to know unless someone tells them? How are they going to know unless we're willing to share that with them? See, what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks is the fact that we are responsible for sharing that good news. That we have been given a gift, not to hold on to for ourselves, but to share with others. A precious gift that can change life. But see, the thing that gets plugged in our heads because we've seen it so much and it's, I don't That last word that we had on there, it said, how beautiful are are the feet of those who bring good news. If we were looking at it in Greek, the root word in there would be evangelism, evangel. Good news and evangelism go together. Somewhere along the line, the church decided that the good news is that you're going to hell. Let me tell you something, you're going to hell. I'm not, so let me save you. That's not good news. 
your life has to be pretty miserable for I'm going to hell to be good news. That, but that's what we've turned it into. You know what the good news really is? The good news is what we have been talking about over these weeks, that there's a God who loves me no matter what. That despite my, my, my freckles and my, my, my scars and my breaks and my, my poor character and my poor choices, that he still loves me. That even though I can never pay him back for it, even though most times I do more damage to our relationship than I do good, he still loves me. And that he doesn't expect me to pay him back. In fact, he gave me that love as a gift that I can never earn, I can only accept. That he created me and everyone else with this potential, with this, with this hope of who we could become. He put within us his own likeness. That, that potential of good, that potential of changing, that potential of, of bringing hope into the world. And it's in every single one of us. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter what your heritage, what your income, what, plan, what country you live in. God loves you as a person. That's the good news. And yes, you have some problems, and so do I. And God loves us both anyway. And yes, you're going to struggle, and so am I, and that's why we need one another. But we are not trapped by our past. We are not trapped by our weaknesses. We are not trapped by our experiences. We can become more than our weakness. That's the good news. Now, how hard would that be to share with someone? Where in the world did we come up with the idea that memorizing a few verses and pointing our finger and telling them, turn or burn, or whatever other little, if you got hit by a bus today on the way home, would you be in heaven? Probably not. <laughs> Which is why I'm talking to you in the first place. And then we call it good news, man. This is our introduction, so I'm, I'm laying a foundation for us, but let me tell you where we're going. We are going to talk about how can we, as the body of Christ, how can we find ways to be real and still share hope? How can we, how can we take the fear factor out of sharing our faith? How can we, as real people, without putting on a mask, without trying to live into some picture that we don't want to live into anyway... I, Without the guilt and the associated shame that comes with, we ought to, we ought to, I never, how can we make evangelism just what we do naturally? How can we just become authentic, real people? Which is exactly what God's intention for us was. Remember what Jesus said, I came to give you life and give it to you abundantly. In other words, if, if we become fully human, as God created us to be, we'll be in his will. We're the ones that cheat ourselves. How can we do that? How can we become a light for the world? How can we become the salt of the earth? How can we, how can we share the good news without getting in the way of the message? That's what we're going to be talking about. 
Apparently, as UPS mess, I've got a, I've got a package to share with you, okay? <laughs> just need a little hat now, too. Okay? What I want you to hear this morning is God loves you. Every one of you. And not just because you're in this building, because this building is just a place where we gather. This place, this is, a, this is a place where we gather to remind ourselves that we've got, that what we do, that the things that change lives happen out there. Some of you may have come to Christ, maybe in a worship service somewhere, but it didn't transform your life. In the, you didn't transform your life sitting in a sanctuary. Maybe your first hearing of God came in a, in a chapel, but you didn't start living it out, sitting on your butt. The place transformation happens is out in the world, in relationships. As people share a meal together, as people pray for one another, as people interact at work, that's where life transformation happens because the church doesn't have walls. We are the church. And how are they ever going to know this good news unless we the church, we the body, how are they going to know it unless we take it to them? Why don't you bow with me? Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for your patience with us. Thanks you, God, for including us in your plans. Because every one of us has good news to share. You have made such a tremendous difference in our life. God, our, our, our prayer for this time is that you would use this as a way to help us become great ambassadors for you that you'd take away the fear, that you'd take away the fakiness. And God, just let us be real, real and authentic followers of who you are. And we pray that in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.